0: Oils and ghouls, lock your doors and strap yourselves in from Los Angeles, California. This is the Boo Crew Podcast. Horror news, commentary, reviews, interviews, and more. With your hosts, Leone D'Antonio, Lauren and Trevor Shan, Austin Wilkin, and Rachel Tejada. Let's
1: go! It is the Boo Crew Podcast, episode number six. Six. Six curse of the devil, Satan in control of the body and the mind. This week, we check into the movie Winchester, the house it ghosts built and delve into the incredible true story behind the film. Also, with dozens of horror films to his credit, you've almost definitely seen his work. From 2008's award-winning Dead Girl, Cabin Fever 2, The Frozen, Get the Girl, among others, actor Noah Segan stops by. We feature the work of Rocky Gray, who is our composer of the week. The musical interludes on this edition are all his handiwork. From Arkansas, former drummer Of The band Evanescence Currently plays in a handful of metal projects Including We Are The Fallen He's an amazingly talented film composer For indie horror movie favorites Such as The Barn And the new Halloween horror anthology 1031 You're gonna hear cuts from The Barn In a feature he did called Close Calls On this episode So now all you gotta do Is sit back Relax And get spooky (laughs) You're hacking your way through Another
2: episode of The Boo Crew
0: precious cuts of new stuff Here's
1: Sweet Screams. A trip to the Boo Crew Bijou with a film that came out February 2nd, directed by the Spearig Brothers, the duo behind last year's Jigsaw, also the movie Daybreakers, Undead, and Predestination. It stars Sarah Snook, Jason Clark, and Helen Mirren, taking the role of the real-life Sarah Winchester in Winchester, the house that ghosts built.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs>
3: I feel their presence, in the air, in the walls, it has found us.
1: After the death of her husband, Sarah Winchester, heir to the Winchester Repeating Arms Company, started building in 1884 what was to eventually become a 24,000-square-foot Victorian home in San Jose, California. Ended up including 161 rooms, six kitchens, doors leading to nowhere, stairways that go into ceilings, hidden passageways, and more. Rumors during that time claimed that after her infant daughter and husband both died, a medium told her she should leave her home in Connecticut and go west, where she must continuously build a home for herself in the. space spirits of the people killed by Winchester rifles, and this would be the only way to appease them and spare her life. Others say she constructed it as a giant maze to confuse the spirits. She had no architect. They say she spent almost four decades constructing it 24 hours a day, guided by spirits she would be contacted with while in a specially built seance room, where she would be the conduit for design plans from beyond the grave. This is the real-life universe that this movie takes place in, so, um...
4: What did everybody think? That was pretty good. I have to admit, I had low expectations because just as you just described, the real life story is like a sentence. Yeah. So what's the movie? (laughs) Right. I I didn't understand. I got the concept, but I didn't understand what the movie was going to be. Even the trailer didn't really tell you what the movie was going to be. Right. So I kind of had low expectations and I thought it was a slow start. In the end, I actually liked it more than I expected to. I would say
1: that I didn't see much press for this movie, actually, when, like, come to think of it, Mm -hmm. revealing many plot details i didn't see a lot of interviews being done like on rotten tomatoes and people have been dragging it through the coals there's oh, been a yeah. lot of bad reviews which i totally don't agree with because i thought it was amazing i actually <laughs> i put it up there with crimson peak as an amazing victorian ghost story i ate it up like literally i, know I was eating it up like <laughs> i ate it up and i took it out on the popcorn i never did it. i ordered a second bag of popcorn wow
5: he did i
1: loved, loved it. The setting itself was just like just eye candy. I couldn't stop yeah. Yeah, looking yeah, at it. Cool. Loved, yeah. I loved living yeah, in that details, movie. So
4: yeah, yeah. That's great. Well, basically, there's a psychologist, right? Right. So, out of work doctor, sure. or he's on sabbatical. He gets approached by the lawyer for the Winchester Repeating Arms Company to diagnose uh, Sarah Winchester, who is 50% stakeholder in the company. Basically, they want to take the company away from her, so they hire this guy. Kind of overpay him and nudge him into saying that she's crazy so yeah yeah, so they can take the company back
1: that's the setup and he comes with a lot of baggage in his own he's kind of a haunted person yeah yeah and then he's put into the haunted house and all hell breaks loose lauren what did you think i mean you weren't you know you were into it but not as much as i was
2: i
6: thought i love sets that are really pretty and this was a really pretty set and i love the costumes and you know the era but it wasn't that scary I wanted it to be scarier, and I wanted a stronger story. I was a little bored. Wow. See, gee.
0: interesting, because, okay. Like Trevor, I actually, I love the movie. Wow. But I can see where you're, why you say that, because I can see the parallels between this movie and Crimson Peak. I think they were both mis well that's the wrong word Mismarketed, I guess
6: but I love Crimson Peak I love
0: it but once again they try to sell that movie as a horror movie they try to sell this movie as a horror movie Mm -hmm. and I think they both were not horror movies this movie I mean had some elements of horror with with the murders and stuff and and the uh, jump scare aspects of it you know which I could have done without that's the only fault that I found in the movie is like I I, you know take away the jump scares and I think everything you have left is a pretty damn good drama with a lot of mystery it could have been more of a you know marketed as a thriller as opposed sure. to a horror movie.
1: Yeah, I mean, I thought it was what a classic Victorian ghost story should be. Eloquent, minimal, even elegant. I, th- I thought the vibe was what was scary about it. The set, the whole idea of the widow Winchester walking around in her black veil and yeah, yeah. going in the seance room and drawing these plans with her eyes closed that she's being communicated to. And I don't know. I, I thought that was I, I
4: would have liked more of that. Like the tone yes. that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Like more of that. I agree that the jump scares weren't necessary. Some of them were really good. Yes. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yes. But, oh yeah, one, but, one yeah. in particular, I jumped, literally
0: Yeah, some of that yeah, It's kind of weird because they, they gave you one after another after another And you're like, well, why? Where is it going? And then towards the end of the movie, it kind of makes sense yeah. Why you see the jump scares I'm like, oh, but it's not quite well defined in the beginning Yeah, yeah. But at, at the end, you're like, okay, I, I see what they were trying to do I did think the first
4: half was a little slow mm-hmm. Tried to goose it a little bit with the jump scares Right as the story just starts building, but, but that tone, if the, if the tone was consistent in that build towards what, because once the story locks in, and I feel like the story doesn't lock into like halfway through the film. Yeah. And once it locks in, it's a really good story. Right. Like I, I felt without giving anything away, it would have been really interesting to me if when the lawyer came to talk to the psychiatrist who, I hate to say this, but kind of felt like a low rent Patrick Wilson. <laughs> 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 he was great. He was great. The look, his look was perfect for the time period and he was really good and he really sold like the the bill illusion thing. Like he was good and he played he played the sad guy really well. But what would have been great is the lawyer shows up and mentions Winchester, if that triggered him. Right. And then he starts showing him the house, and he starts feeling this draw, like, oh my God, I don't know what this is, but I have to go there. What is going on here? And for reasons that are explained later in the movie, yeah. that would have made perfect sense. If the driving force of the film was the fact that he was in a place... Under false pretenses for his own personal salvation the entire time. And that he he is trying to get into this one he's drawn to this one room and he didn't know why. Rather than having that one room sort of haunt him and call him, that if he was desperate to get in there and kept getting stopped, I think that would have been a much more solid driving force for the first half of the film. But the like the turn that the, mm-hmm. the that one twist yes. I thought was brilliant.
6: That was a good twist. Yeah, it was unexpected.
1: I uh, see I didn't have a problem with the beginning. In the movie either. I mean, I was into it from frame one. Kind of saw it as a great mystery that I was really into that was kind of revealing itself and started off. But I thought it was a cool jump scare. And it made me kind of question, okay, what's... I'm a little confused. What's going on? But it hooked me in enough with that scare to stay with it and figure out why. Why? What's happening? Why is that little boy seeing something? Who's this lady? You know, and it just kind of throws throws you all over the place. It was pleasurable to me watch everything be answered over the course uh, of the movie. I actually... Was it so- wasn't a
4: long movie either, which I like too. Yeah. Yeah, it was short. I like that opening scene paid off. I thought that it was just odd. Uh, You know, and they they come back actually to that set like, you know, four or five times. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Maybe a few too many. But the fact that it it actually pays off, that it leads to something, I thought was really surprising. Again, the second half, I thought everything started coming together in a a way that I didn't expect.
3: Yeah, I agree. I think. For me too, I think I feel the same with Austin a little bit. I wasn't as little had a little bit lower expectations and I think the end paid off for me. Right. Like it all kinda of wrapped up well in a sense where I feel like, okay like everything like you said like the first opening shot kind of tied back into the end and you felt like the reasoning for why she did things was satisfying i kind of appreciated the fact that the reason why she did the things was what i wanted it to be sure
1: yeah they you know gave I mean? they gave the character of sarah winchester a lot of context and yeah yeah you know brought an interesting backstory to it so no one really knows right, right. why the real sarah winchester right. actually did all this <laughs> stuff they're speculating and going back and old rumors and tabloids that were printed around that time to kind of gather this information. So it was interesting that the story they came up with it and a couple interesting things about the set because I was wondering my first question is did they film it at the actual Winchester house? Like how did they do this? Production designers actually spent four days going through the actual house taking about 300 pictures of even doorknobs and dresser poles or whatever they could find and they had six weeks to build all the sets for the movie in Australia. Oh wow. In Melbourne and for certain indoor scenes they were trying to find Local houses they could film that would have kind of Victorian innards, and all they found was all, all the houses out there were built, I guess, with stone. So they would use CGI to take the stone out.
4: Wow! wow. Yeah. Oh
1: to actually gosh. blend the blend the interiors. <laughs> wow! So they they duplicated some of the most complex parts of the house the staircase that Winchester goes up and down, for instance. There was a couple things that were too strange for them to be able to recreate. So they actually had them shipped from the house, one of which was the Whoa. intercom system. Oh, oh wow. really? So That was actually from the house and Whoa, it actually worked. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Which is really interesting. I would
6: be so afraid that then it would get damaged. I know. Yeah, I know. Like, I know that's it's crazy. crazy that they lent that out. Yeah.
1: yeah. And then they did do some filming in the actual Winchester house. Most of it was done in the sound stages where they recreated the house wow yeah. i mean i've never been to the that and you guys actually ever visited
3: the the house i did when i was younger yeah yeah and i always remember it was creepy huh i, I mean th- now i mean i have to go there right? <laughs> yeah. we we're thinking of like taking yeah. a plane
1: to san jose like that'd be then we wouldn't have to hire a babysitter for like overnight right. we just hire make the a the day, day trip, and <laughs> then <laughs> come back <laughs>
2: well supposedly
3: now it's a new tour Then they were, because I guess they were doing the same tour for a long time, but they found a new room in the house that they opened up, and I think they found it, like, last year.
1: That's crazy that the house is that expansive where they just found a new room.
4: (laughs) Yeah, I don't think they even know how many rooms there are wow because they lose count it's it's easy to get lost uh one thing of note in the film they keep talking about the number 13 and how
1: sarah winchester was obsessed with that number the number 13 in spider webs appear all throughout the real life winchester house even the candle holders most of them were made for 12 candles she had modified to hold 13 candles oh interesting (laughs) wall hooks are all displayed in groups of 13 And every Friday the 13th, they toll the bell outside of the house 13 times at 1,300 hours in respect of her. She even signed her will 13 times.
6: What?
3: Wow.
1: Wow. Wow,
6: She really loves that number. I know. Hey, I was born on February 13th. That is true. (laughs) 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 Coming up. (laughs) Is
0: that a hint? I didn't forget.
2: Uh,
0: Good. By the way, did you know that Helen Mirren's look for the movie- was modeled after the one and only picture of Sarah Winchester on the property. Oh, nice. Wow. There's only one wow. photo of wow. her wow. on the property, and that's where they got to the look for Helen Mirren.
6: I want to go just to see the costumes are there, right?
1: Yeah, at, the actual costumes for the movie,
6: are at the Winchester. When I last checked, were, oh. were
1: still on display. Yeah, really they, were, awesome. they were up there a couple months ago, too. So, Is the yeah.
0: film just an ad for the...
1: Yeah, for the Winchester house.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So is this place finally open for business? I heard in 2015 that they started booking guests or that was a plan at least. You can
1: actually stay there. I'm not sure if they're still doing that. Last I heard, there was a a package where it was the first time they would ever let guests stay there was in 2015. I'm assuming it's something that either they're going to do again or that is still happening. One thing you cannot do anymore there, though, Lionsgate bought the photography rights for the inside of the house guests can no longer take. Take pictures inside the house. Why? No. Yeah. Why would you do that? They say that it's competition for the film.
6: But is it for the but... duration of the film? Well, is this for life? I or... don't know
1: if they could just go. Wow, while the film's out, you can't take pictures. As far as I understand, they own the photography rights. It'd be like taking pictures in the Magic Castle or something. You know, you're not supposed to do that. And that must it's have cost kind of a lot of money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's on IMDb. It must be true. <laughs> 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 I learned that the reason they call it the Mystery House in 1924 when Houdini visited it yeah. and they made yeah. all the newspaper stories
4: coined yeah I guess he had, yeah he had gone there to debunk the uh, spiritualism the whether or oh, not it's yeah. haunted yeah he was doing that for pa- a long she passed time. away in like what 21
3: 22 22 I think so yeah
4: and uh, so there's all these rumors again you know no one had any answers about the whether it's haunted the whole ghost story thing so uh, whether or not there are ghosts there and the reasons why she built the house so houdini for you know whatever you know at the time he was debunking spiritualism so he traveled up there and yeah he coined the term winchester mystery house did he succeed in coining the term no (laughs) we still call it that today (laughs) debunking (laughs) yeah i guess i guess he said it wasn't there were no ghosts really yeah
3: i want there to be ghosts they actually they say there is a ghost there's the new uh Publicity marketing uh-huh. uh, manager. He says is a ghost. Well, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> he says that some of the employees see a ghost by the name of Clyde, who used to be a worker there. Oh wow! And he's dressed all in white. Any of the mustache and has a blank look on his face.
4: <laughs> like, what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what,
3: what am I doing
6: here? probably lost. Yeah.
4: <laughs> he's been trying to get out of that, work, find yeah. his way out of that house yeah. for. Maybe he just works with years. craft services in the movie <laughs>
2: and he's lost. He's been <laughs> in there for so long. <laughs>
4: yeah. Miss Mirren. Oh, no. I'm Mirren's driver. Yeah, yeah. yeah,
0: you, know, yeah. You, you know what, else I found interesting was uh, the, you know, the outer Built the set Right Yeah And recreate the set And all that There's a scene Where she's walking Up the steps And it zigzags Yes Because yeah. apparently she, Her ar- was arthritis Right yeah. yeah She apparently You know in, I guess in real life that These steps had to be No taller than Three or four inches That's why it took Forever to go upstairs Because it kind of Zigzags back and forth So those real life Set of stairs Had to be recreated For the movie Because the actual Ones are so narrow That you couldn't Get a camera crew Or even more than Like one average Person to walk Through it Oh wow So when they rebuilt it for the movie It's much wider you know, and the camera guy obviously it was hell. I don't know, handheld camera, I imagine, yeah, or something, yeah, walking right behind her, or whatever. That cannot be recreated in the original house. I guess the house is like ele- has three elevators, really. Yeah, I thought that
4: was missed opportunity. The movie could have a whole elevator scene.
0: That's true. Wow, there was a great scene, man, where she orders that room to be like basically shut, sealed. Yes, and they're all inside. And I'm like, what the fu- <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> that was good. Yeah, <laughs> and the door opens. <laughs> and I'm like, that's so clever. That's just typical of what she built, hidden Passageways, rooms, you know, that lead to nowhere, stairs that lead to nowhere, trap door, you know, whatever. It's just like, you, you just want to go there and explore that house. There's just something at every corner.
1: Walt Disney actually apparently sent all his Imagineers when they were designing the Haunted Mansion to go and spend time and look at the Winchester Mystery House to learn, kind of wow. model it after that. Yeah. I, th- I mean, a ton of history. The, the story is fascinating to me. Automatically escalated the movie before I, <laughs> people, yeah. like, I was excited, <laughs> I've been excited about this movie forever.
4: I was going to say, I do wish they, that there's more information in the movie about the real life situation
6: yes it it's, was definitely missing that
4: it's but like the title cards at the end could have been way more informative yes yeah. not the least of which about the earthquake because the san francisco earthquake damaged like a third of the house ruined a third of the house because it used to be seven stories tall and they'd down three of those stories a lot of it fell down in the earthquake oh i thought it was a fire that took so those stories they, out no it was the was it earthquake? Yeah, it was an oh. earthquake that's in that's you know referenced in the film right though i thought that was clever the way that they used the earthquake as a story device. Yeah. 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 yeah yeah that was really neat but it I wish that there was some clarification about that earthquake in the text at the end and then what happened and i guess missed opportunity is the phrase that keeps coming to mind it ended up working for me but i feel like there's a lot more that could have been done
6: like i, I thought it could have been scarier i think when i think ghost stories like annabelle that was really scary like conjuring like those movies really like scare me And this one just didn't scare me as much. I wasn't sitting like at the edge of my seat freaking out. Usually my hands cover my face and I'm like, oh, (laughs) and I'm like looking down. And this one, no hands over the face. But,
1: but I'll tell you this, this is really happened though. This lady may have actually built this house. I mean, the rumors say that she was being kind of summoned to build this house by the spirits of the ghosts of the people killed by Winchester rifles and knowing that that house actually exists and has all this crazy design structure and everything to me that's scary enough
6: you no know? i get it i get it
1: agree to disagree
6: yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah, it's true. Yeah.
0: i was like i was entertained the whole time from start to finish i mean you know every single shot of the house day or night where you see the workers Building, it's, it's just a reminder that yeah, they really did that. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Twenty-four Somebody, hours yeah. a day, in
1: the middle of the night, yeah. all there, That's all hammered insane. outside. And <laughs> I mean, she was rich enough to do it. I mean, she inherited millions, right. and okay, she was making like can't. I think a thousand dollars a day. She had a thousand access to a thousand dollars a day as part of the inheritance or something on top of what right. she had, you know, inherited the lump sum of money or whatever. Back then, I mean, it's a lot of money. Uh, Even now, right, a right. thousand bucks a day. Imagine that. Yeah. And she just kept pouring and pouring into this house. This more. There no construction
6: laws back then. Well, like you can't do work after seven. PM? No.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the HOA. Uh,
6: I don't know. I just think about.
1: I mean, my but in the, in the terms of where the house was. In the film, it looked like it was in the middle of nowhere at the time, right? So it probably wouldn't have been Oh,
0: dude, do not look up where the house is today. It's going to blow your mind. Well, I hear there
1: was a movie theater right beside the house. Oh, really? Yeah.
0: (laughs) I mean, if I'm not mistaken, because I was there 10 years ago. 10 years ago, I was there uh, when they announced the first iPhone. In fact, I was there for that. And I remember driving right past it, and I think the street is antenna- road or they, they call it Santana row it's like the place in San Jose where all the restaurants are like Cheesecake Factory the movie theater oh, wow. like, you know so it's like literally at the end of the block it's just there and it, it, it looks so fake it looks like it's just the museum like the right. museum of whatever you know sure. mystery stuff whatever yeah it like, just stands out yeah so bizarre that if you look at the movie yes 100 years ago there was nothing there it was farmland. <laughs> yeah and today there's like a, you know an IMAX theater you know next door or whatever wow. you know wow that is really cool <laughs> I'm just so intrigued man I want to see that house. Oh, especially that room that they talk about in the movie. That room where there's no nails. Oh, yeah. Is that real? Yeah, that's what I was wondering. You know. So it was an odd, like, throwaway fact.
4: Right. Right. I wish there were more of this throwaway fat. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I believe
1: you might be right. I think I've heard about that actually being a part of the house. There was weird things like that, like yeah. things that were almost impossible to make. Right. You know,
0: perfectly cut, you know, wood desks or whatever. Everything had a fit, but nothing assembled with nails.
3: I think that's actually like a Victorian, actually not the like craftsman style. That's actually, I think maybe it's an actual architectural style around that time period. Right. Oh, interesting. Because around the Victorian time period, that... Era, really, it was influenced by Japanese art and some of the building structure. I know, like, homes in Pasadena, which are a little bit later than the Victorian time period, but they also had craftsman styles, like, everything's built without nails. Oh, wow. It had possibly possibly had some of that influence, because she was an innovator of, like, different of new technology in that regard she was actually I think looking at it more in the sense of she was just like a really rich woman who was able to just have these different ideas of thinking about things right instead of I mean that's maybe one way of looking at it instead of being maybe yeah it's highly possible I mean. it's the ghost tree version ghost yeah the ghost tree version like an artistic the Victorian
4: Walt Disney
3: <laughs> right, right right yeah, yeah. right yeah. yeah exactly she could
1: so she did yeah. yeah that's amazing well in the spirit of Sarah Winchester I give this 13 thumbs up <laughs>
2: (laughs) (laughs)
3: this spirit has a power we've not seen before
0: this is the boo crew podcast what are
5: your qualifications
0: what do you think of this That's all we need. Another victim crawls onto the gurney for a Boo Crew autopsy. Joanne
5: Skinner, man, what were you thinking? This is the best we're ever gonna have! I am doing this for your benefit.
1: Joining us in the Speakeasy studio with the Boo Crew, we have been entranced by this guy's performances ever since Ryan Johnson's 2005 high school film noir, Brick. He now has over 50 films to his credit as an actor, quite a few of them being of the horror genre, almost all of them sharing a common bond, a familial mentality, and an independent spirit. I often equate this guy to cinematic angel dust. Whenever his name appears in the credits, you can rest assured that you're in for a completely immersive trip into an incredibly told story. An extreme honor to welcome Noah Segan
5: thank you guys I'm here to be your your PCP.
4: hardcore drugs yeah. Yeah. hardcore Segan now although
1: we are super horror oriented and focused we can't ignore the fact that you appear most recently in a small art house film called you might have to help me with the pronunciation I think it's, it's uh, Stare Where's the Last the Jetty The voy-
5: Voyage Home <laughs>
1: <laughs> Voyage Home it's uh yes so Tell us all about the experience of being In a Star Wars film
5: It is exactly like what you would expect In that everything is Is there like they have these stages right They have this whole lot this whole studio Pinewood that's you know very famous For James Bond and for shooting All the Star Wars movies and they have many many Stages and like one of the Stages is the Millennium Falcon And you just you go on the stage and there it is And it's built and you know and you can Walk around it and sit in it And act like you're <laughs> act like you're sitting next to chewy and so i'm assuming you did
1: all this while you were there filming your seats were you able to go and explore and... I,
5: I got i got quite a tour i remember specifically going in to the falcon and sitting in the cockpit one of the producers friend of mine uh, who was showing me around left to go attend to like real business actual his job right and not just giving his buddy a tour <laughs> and I sat there and I and I and I, I played around in the millennium pocket I played like so you know rough. very of course very carefully you know <laughs> sat in the cockpit and and steered around That's <laughs> and, uh, cool. and eventually my friend Leo came back and, and he said hey you know uh, you want to see something else you know are you, you ready to go and I said yeah you know just like maybe just like another minute or two (laughs) and he said "Noah, you've been here for 45 minutes (laughs) so there was there was a lot of that one of the interesting things is there is a moment where you are going through the costume area Mm -hmm. you know and and of course chewy or chewies are there the costumes and inevitably everyone has the exact same reaction which is you hug it (laughs)
3: <laughs> did you hug it i hugged it and it
5: was funny because the person giving us the tour there were a few of us who were on the tour all very close friends and, and professionals people would all work together before and immediately the person giving us the tour was like you're gonna want to hug Chewie, so just line up right here and just everybody give him a hug like and it was and, and they knew that that's what you do you hug Chewie. wait can i ask a question yeah.
4: now Chewie doesn't really have much of a costume he just really has the belt and the and the pouch right so what were you hugging? Oh, <laughs> oh I see. Right oh, I see. Oh, okay, I got it. That's movie magic. Order. Don't
2: tell Austin about Santa Claus. Don't tell about Easter Bunny.
5: Your childhood dog is still on that farm.
4: He's doing great. That's what I hear. I get postcards every year.
1: So the Millennium Falcon is set up in this hangar. How long has that particular version of the Falcon been in that hangar? You know,
5: I I don't actually know. You'd have to ask one of the actual Lucasfilm historians, of which there are, like, actual professional Lucasfilm historians. I think that the original, original one from the first movie, which we now call New Hope, is gone. And this may be built around the Empire Falcon. Okay. It may also be an entirely new Falcon built for episode seven
1: right okay
5: i'm not a hundred percent it feels like something that's 40 years old that's really oh, that's cool, like cool. It, either it is a 40 year old set or both it's also a real credit <laughs> <laughs> to what they're able to do which is to construct things that feel so mind-blowingly authentic it's a heavily right.
0: relic yeah heavily relic
1: heavily <laughs> i've heard tell that some of the props, some of the costumes that have been used in some of these newer Star Wars films are actually composed of parts of the actually old original costumes and things. Is that something that you were privy to or heard about? Or
5: My personal X-Wing uniform smells like Porkins.
2: <laughs>
5: <laughs> explain explain <laughs> no all of all that stuff totally totally does well i think it's a, quite a bit of a spectrum but like when i put on that x-wing jumpsuit if you told me it was 40 years old i would 100 percent believe you but again that's also there's like a whole department in movies called the aging department that's designed to do that so i i don't know if i was able to track down the exact provenance of my specific costume right. like like the lightsabers you know are all uh, made from the flash handle to a Speed Graphlex 4x5 camera.
1: So that's how they originally <laughs> made them. They still make them
5: that way? They still go on eBay and buy the handles no to Speed Graphlex cameras and oh, use them, wow. yeah.
1: Because I would think they would wow. just like 3D print them by now or some you know, company makes them. But... I'm
5: sure they have that capability, sure. but like when we were talking to the props guys, they were like, oh no, we, we at least to start, we want to use the original thing and then build wow. on that. That's really yeah, cool. that
0: makes sense. That's, that's really that's cool. Awesome. They
5: still do that. And then like there was all types of crazy stuff that it never even occurred to me. Like the stormtrooper outfits come in multiple temperatures, depending on what lights you're using. Because, of course, when you white balance something, mm depending on the temperature of the wow. of the light, right? Mm-hmm. If it's, you know, very warm light, like it's tungsten light versus a daylight, they all have different temperatures. So, if you want a consistent look to your stark, white, shiny <laughs> stormtrooper, you have to have different stormtrooper colors, basically, with That's temperatures. crazy.
4: Nice. Wow. <laughs> That's nice.
1: insane. So, as a Star Wars fan going into it, which I'm assuming you were, to be able to learn all this stuff and be on the set, how long were you on the set for?
5: Well, I, I'd Come to visit, we have a a very long-standing tradition. Between a lot of us who, who worked on Brick Yeah To have Thanksgiving together Because we had Thanksgiving together When we were shooting Brick Because it was This little movie That we didn't have enough money To take time off Right So we got Thursday off But some of us Had to work Wednesday and Friday So it wasn't like You could go home You know Nobody's Nobody was working on the movie it was from where we shot it San Clemente in Orange County So a bunch of us Stayed down there And sort of had a potluck Thanksgiving I think over the last That was you know 13 years ago We've probably spent Nine or ten of them All together A bunch of the actors and and ryan and steve and nathan his cousin and all all the folks that are still working together today so i went out to visit in november for Thanksgiving and then he started and so that was when I got to see like all the stuff getting whipped up you know
1: (laughs) Yeah. Um, at that point did you even know that you were going to be casted in the movie
5: I mean I knew that how do I put it if you look at Ryan and you look at the three films up to Star Wars that he made they had been progressively more and more successful and I was in all three of them so I think it's very safe to say that the reason that he has become more and more successful is because I'm in his movies
0: (laughs) 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 scientific was an unrated yeah yeah the, the, math, the math checks out you know
5: <laughs> I, you know the thing is you guys there's a lot of like self-destruction in our business if it turned out that Ryan was one of those people I can understand him not casting me in Star Wars <laughs> but luckily
1: he knows what's good for him
0: <laughs> uh, Ryan are you listening
1: <laughs> so I don't know what's going on with the
4: rest of the Star Wars movies is Ryan slated to combat Back to do another. He's doing his own trilogy next. Okay. So J.J. Abrams is coming back for episode nine. Then this trilogy is over. But gotcha. Ryan has now signed on to do a whole new trilogy in the Star Wars universe, separate from the current trilogy. Gotcha.
0: Whole new trilogy starring Noah Segan
4: as Han Solo, Han
1: Solo?
0: <laughs> resurrected. Yes, Han Solo. yes.
4: cyborg. Don't, Han Solo's lesser-known stepbrother.
5: Don't tell the guy who's playing Han Solo in the movie that comes out.
2: In like
4: six Spoiler months. alert.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> You can hug your Noah Segan costume on the way in. (laughs) Well, you've been in everything from the time travel odyssey looper. You've been in comedy, but you have done a lot of horror. Also, the horror community has has really embraced you. Is there something about the horror genre that you look for when you're considering new projects? Or is there something about it that you love? The shortest possible script.
0: (laughs) 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 Um, We're like, get killed on page (laughs) five. No, 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 no. I want,
5: I want to live the whole, through the whole movie. I never live in a movie. I never live in these movies. But no, no, no. I want to, like, you know, like, be, like, the main guy and, like, live through the whole thing. But, like, I want, like, an 80-page script. <laughs> I just want to know that you can get the point across as quickly as possible. Austin and I have talked a lot about that recently about, you know, we've actually been talking about that for years, the idea yeah. of sort of the holy grail of a... Screenplay being such a level of succinction—is that a word? Can you it, say it? Is, it is now. Did I just yeah. you know um, <laughs> that that you can just cut through all the all the crap? Mostly, I I don't know. I look for nice, smart people to work with. You don't even have to be that talented. <laughs> uh, if you look through my 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 resume, <laughs> you may find a couple there. No, it's um, for the most part. I have I have been able to work with nice, smart, and talented people. And, and that's, you know, I know that sounds like a generality, but, you know, once you get to start talking to a filmmaker and, you know, maybe you get a shorthand and you like some of the same movies or you have a lot of the same influences even for their specific story, you know, you read something and you go, man, this really seems like you really love John Carpenter or you really, you know, you really love Leo Carax or, you know, I mean, then then absolutely. Then we're going to have a great time getting down because we like the same stuff, you know? Right.
1: One of the first things that Lauren and I saw you in was Cabin Fever 2. Spring Fever. Amazing. (laughs) Cabin Fever 1 was a huge, that, that movie was a big deal to me. That was like a destination movie. I remember a road trip from Vancouver to Seattle to go and see that movie at a film festival and was blown away. By it. You went international? International. (laughs) To see Campaign One. It was a long time after that. People started talking about a possible sequel. It was Fangoria who had reported that both Eli Roth and Adam Green apparently wrote treatments for a sequel, and both of them were shelved or nothing ended up happening with them. And then finally, Ty West, who I hadn't heard of at the time, who was super, super young, and he had just come off the roost which I've actually seen since then. It's amazing. I mean, I love Ty West movies now. Again, it was Cabin Fever 2 that kind of brought me into his world. Something happened, though, in that movie where Ty kind of, I don't know if he got upset or there was something different and he wanted his name off it. He wanted to change to Alan Smithy, whatever that is. I'm not sure. Maybe you can explain what that is. What was the story with that movie? And was it much different, the release product, than what Ty West had envisioned?
5: I think so. Obviously, I can't speak yeah. to his personal experience, which, yeah, he left the movie quit the movie at, at a certain point right um, after we had finished shooting it but before it was finished in post-production okay you know, so it wasn't
1: edited or anything so you never saw another cut of it or anything oh like no that. He,
5: he he was working on it you know I think between him and a bunch of the people he was working with on it they just couldn't come to a agreement as sure. to the best movie and then yeah I guess he wanted to take his name off of it and the, the Alan Smithy thing Austin can probably explain it better than I
4: can <laughs> Alan Smithy is a it's a historic fake name nom de plume that that directors use when they want to officially remove their name from a movie wow who has done that before So david lynch famously did it on dune really yeah wow. the original dune theatrical cut was directed by alan smithy i did not know oh, this yeah. wow.
5: supernova is an alan smithy movie yes. isn't it really i think yeah, so yeah because that was a uh, walter hill and then coppola mm-hmm. came on to finish it hmm. it's a very big deal in the director's guild right. that they don't like to have two directors Okay. So, you can have a partnership. You can have, um, you know, Lord and Miller can direct a movie together, but you can't have one guy do one thing and another guy do another thing and not be a team. Often, what'll happen is, and I think, you know, it's, it's gotten a lot looser more recently, but I think historically, if someone got fired or got sick or, you know, had to leave for some reason and then it was finished by a second person, that could be an Alan Smithy movie. Yeah. Gotcha. If the
4: original <laughs> contracted director wants to take their name off it. But sometimes, a film will get finished By a second director And the original director Will retain the credit Or
5: say it's... Go ahead and take it hmm. from... And in that In yeah. the Cabin
1: Fever They didn't allow that to happen His name's still on it Which is Yes his, his
5: name is, is still on it and I'm sure that That is a really Boring conversation About like The director's guild And how sure. they sure, yeah. Arbitrate that stuff And yeah. you know and, and probably I think they even Got rid of Alan Smithy I think you can't Use it anymore Maybe. Because it's like Sort of They think it's a joke Which right. it sort of is mm-hmm.
4: Tony mm-hmm. K wanted to use Humpty Dumpty on uh, American History X. (laughs) Wow. wow. He ended up leaving, but because he didn't want to use Alan Smithy. Yeah. So he ended up leaving his name on the film. Cabin Fever 2, one of literally one of my all-time favorite horror movies.
1: I mean, we have to get Ty in here to to, to ask him what his vision for that movie was because it came across to me like this crazy kind of hybrid teen sex comedy John Waters mixed with Evil Dead.
5: That was a lot of what we talked about, you know, And, and I know that when we were making the movie and I had not worked much before, for that and right. i i don't think i had ever been a guy who's who's in like every scene of a movie you know i was i was the main guy yeah i remember being a little bit suspect of ty for hiring <laughs> me to play that role because i was like no man don't you get it i'm supposed to be like the bad guy
2: <laughs> <laughs> like i'm supposed to be the, i'm supposed
5: to be the guy who like doesn't do the right thing like, why would you hire me for the and i think he was he was so into he was very into i don't know like last american virgin yeah and- that's exactly Exactly. You know, that was like a movie of, we talked about yeah. and, and um, I remember at some point he he just went like what if you could be Marty McFly And I was like, wow, that's fun. And then that became sort of that became a big inspiration. I had just never and I had never thought that I would have an opportunity like that. So that was really a blast to to kind of go there. And then, you know, we had so many, oh man, there's some really funny stuff. If you're a fan of the movie, you like you like this. There's a good um, I don't know what you would call it, Easter? No, I don't know. Piece of trivia. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) So there's this scene, right? I don't want to ruin it for anybody who hasn't seen it, but there's a scene where there are a lot of bodies, Mm -hmm. dead bodies, bodies that are (laughs) are not moving they have clothes on and there's not really close-ups of all the bodies because really there's a lot of bodies (laughs) like dozens (laughs) in a room and you go oh man okay so what do you gotta do well you gotta get like dummies right so this big like shipping container showed up at the studio before we started shooting and inside the shipping container were all of these like foam dummies life-size anatomically correct foam dummies and they had like you know you could see like they had noses and lips and they had fingers and fingernails and toes and they were made from a full body cast and they were all the same.
0: Were they realistic? Oh.
5: They were realistic, oh, yes. Wow. I mean I know what you're asking and yes.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going there. <laughs> Let me tell okay. you something. These dummies were Jewish.
2: <laughs>
0: totally was not going there.
2: <laughs>
0: not
5: only were they anatomically correct Full-body molds, (laughs) but they had come from another movie. They were the molds of a person who looked really familiar. And I couldn't quite put my finger on it until I looked up the credits... For the company that had provided the molds You know, there's a whole big list that you get Where they tell you, you know, the name of everybody you're working with And who the vendors are and all this You know, when you start working on a movie I looked it up and I went, oh man Of course, that's Robin Williams (laughs) 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 And the same company had worked on Bicentennial Man Wow So it was like just tons of Robin Williams' It was tons of Robin Williams' Oh my goodness, that's crazy i actually think that there was like a loincloth situation okay. but you know oh my god is there a scene where you could say
1: can you actually make it out in the scene the, the face i don't anything? know I, th- I
5: think i think that this merits going yeah back i have to go back and with look a, now high res <laughs> copy of the film and seeing yeah. if any of these guys <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> oh my gosh uh, You've won awards For your work In 2008's Dead Girl One of which Was an Igor At uh, Universal Hornets Yes, <laughs> yes. The, the
5: chiller Igor <laughs> yeah, yeah, Awards That's right Yeah we've Very been cool. there we Best go, we
1: villain go, We go there every year
5: Presented to me By Corey Feldman That oh. wow Yeah
1: he used to He used to he, Actually they don't Do the award I don't think they Do the award show no. Anymore yeah, right No more It was don't. like what A year or two ago Probably
6: they like two Or three years ago They stopped yeah, I'm so sad
1: it was it's so, so funny It was so like Campy that it was was awesome,
6: <laughs> and then like after I got the award, they had a guy who was like,
5: "Hey, man! Part of you winning this award is that like I'll just take you around the park and like oh, show you right. around, and that wow. was the best. That was the best part. <laughs> Did they like walk you to the front yeah, of the line, they like yeah, and they stuff. get you and in, and they like yeah, and they like you know, and you don't have to like pay for sodas. It's that's awesome.
1: great. That's great. And the award's cool, right? It was like a little is it a little demon or oh, something? Yeah, it's it used a
5: to be. it's a it's a it's a flying uh, like a, gargoyle it's, or yeah, it's something. a gargoyle. It's a gargoyle. It's a gargoyle. Yes,
1: it's yeah. That's
5: right. Noah Segan, best villain.
1: <laughs> That's, <cool. laughs> That's awesome, man. Well, something about that movie—it's very intense. It's hard to watch, but it's very polarizing. It's an incredible performance, by the way, as JT. This is unbelievable. You. It deserves taking in, though, especially in today's world with that conversation being really on top of mind. It really makes you think. I know some people have gone on and reviewed it, said things like it glorifies misogyny. I think it does the complete. In total opposite That's my view of the message What was your experience Making it And what do you feel That that film brings
5: Well I mean It's it's an interesting conversation To have today I mean literally today Literally the last two weeks Two mm-hmm. months mm-hmm. year yeah. And you know In the ten years Since we made it I mean I, I My perspective Hasn't changed very much Because I Want to believe That it is A movie about Toxic masculinity And it is a movie About bad boys Specifically young men who were not raised right and this sort of ricky shiloh fernandez character the closest thing to a protagonist in the movie is sort of trying to do the right thing in spite of everything else including me or my character trying to convince him to do the wrong thing so it's it very much is is sort of existing in a world where all of our morals have completely flipped 180 Right. As far as what I was trying to do, and I remember very vividly making these choices and very vividly sort of fighting to maintain the choices to make JT, to make the character as funny as possible. Because I think that the best thing that we can do to truly bad people is laugh at them. Yeah. yeah. And you. so you have to show this evil shit right? You have to, uh, like we say, you have to really commit to it. You have to commit to being this horrible person. And so you're a villain. So then it's a horror movie. We don't know how much the villain is going to win or not win. We don't know if we're going to root for the villain and what that says about us, right? That's part of what what makes horror movies so interesting is that a part of you is rooting for the horror, is, is, is rooting for the bad guys, you know? And so all of those really complicated feelings that Hopefully you're having and maybe you're not really quite aware of them because you're also enjoying a movie need to be reconciled by how silly and absurd and powerless the bad guy really is if that makes any sense yeah, yeah, yeah totally oh, yeah.
1: how did you go about preparing for that role while filming i mean to get into that headspace obviously you're not like that guy in in real life how did you get yourself there
5: well it's uh, it's interesting you would ask that <laughs> uh, oh. at the <laughs> <laughs> as he lies I, I <laughs> <lock the floor. laughs> you know it's funny at the time i was moving from one apartment to another right when pre-production started right when we started to like to rehearse and prepare to make the movie. I boxed up all of my belongings and went over to the new apartment, which I was unfamiliar with and didn't have anything there. And I delayed moving and basically like slept on, you know, a mattress on the floor sure. for the month, you know, for the period of time that we were in pre-production, and and it was a short production, I think. 18 or, or 19 days of shooting just so that I wasn't I didn't want to sort of feel like I was coming home to my environment and then sort of spreading whatever was left of my anxiety and, and my nastiness in my home sure so I did that and you know and I didn't talk to my I talked to my mom pretty frequently I mean I have mom tattooed on my shoulder yeah I am like I'm classic a classic heart with mom I'm a, nice, uh, I'm a nice Jewish boy and I call my mom all the time and I didn't call my mom for You know, for a while, or my sister, you know, or a lot of my friends who are women. I felt like, you know, it, and, and it wasn't because I felt like there were some lines between reality and making a movie that were blurred. It was simply, that I didn't want to share that darkness with other people. You know, one of the things that making a movie and being an actor, you know, or or a writer or director is 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 there's a lot of sort of, I think there's a lot of responsibility to sort of like you have to hold on to the story that you're telling until you're done telling it.
2: Mm -hmm. And -hmm. of course,
5: if you're an actor, well, you're done telling it almost right away. If you're like the director or the writer, you may have to like deal with that for years. You may just have to like hang on to that stuff for a long, long time. But at least you know, when it comes to being an actor, I think that you sort of have to, and you call it whatever you want, like stand in the zone or method acting or whatever it is. But I think for the most part, you know, you do sort of owe it to all these other people that you're working with and the bosses that hired you to sort of not let your head get out of the game.
1: Right. The amazing thing about that is, though, Dead Girl was only like, what, your third or fourth feature film at that point? An amazing feat, because there's actors who've done... Twenty movies who don't get to that role daniel day lewis and that was <laughs> <Garland
5: Brandon>. <laughs> <Meryl>. <laughs> well,
1: you know what i mean it's, it's it's they are also actors an incredible an incredible feat it's an incredible feat i've heard you explain your approach to acting this is interesting to me as filling out a crossword puzzle can you elaborate on that statement? What do you know, mean where, by where that? Where did I
5: say that? That's You, so said, fucking you said that. It was great, right?
1: <laughs> That's so protective. I thought was great.
5: <laughs> the best thing about being an actor and getting to talk to people is that it really humbles you when you realize how contrived and pretentious <laughs> like every fourth thing
2: out of your mouth
5: is. Uh, I really like crossword puzzles. I really, really like crossword puzzles. And I think that the thing about the crossword puzzle analogy is that I think all of the answers are there. You know, you talk about, you know, what makes you want to be in a movie? What makes you attracted to well, it's a script. Like, the script is the unifying piece of material. It's the thing that everybody has to use. I mean, the guy who paints the backgrounds and the lady who hangs the lights and, you know, the camera person and all of the... They all have to use this same document to figure out how to do their job. You're looking in that document for the best way to do your job, like the words you have to say or the kind of set you have to build, whatever. And so I think in that respect, it is it's sort of like the the answers are there. You get these outlines and then it really is up to you to sort of fill them in correctly.
1: You had a breakout role in Ryan Johnson's 2005 directorial debut, Brick. This is obviously the first feature film you were in, correct? Yes. It was the first time you met Ryan Johnson. Yes. Did you guys hit it off immediately when you were even in the audition process or what was it about that union that has led now to you being in every single thing he's done in, in some way and this kind of family that you joined what is it that keeps you guys all together
5: the portrait of him that I have that is rapidly <laughs> aging <laughs> that's what that's what going on just pure blackmail <laughs> the greatest thing that came from Brick for me personally was and is my friendship with Ryan and, and the whole group with Joe Corden-Levitt And Steve, who has been his cameraman, and Nathan, who's his cousin and composer, and Rom, who's his producer. I mean, all of these people have continued to work together through Star Wars. And it really does feel like a very, very loyal, very close-knit family. And that is the greatest benefit from it, you know? When Ryan and I met, he did what not a lot of filmmakers do, especially young filmmakers with young actors, which is that he just met with people. I think he had been sort of maybe around the block a little bit and, you know, he'd been running around for a few years trying to get his movie made and he was just meeting people just like, hi, how are you? No audition, not really necessarily talking about anything specific, just getting a vibe for one another. And of Hmm. course, I read this guy's script and I come in and I'm like, oh man, this is Maltese Falcon. This guy's Sidney Greenstreet and this guy's Peter Lorre and this guy's... And he's looking at me like no one has had that take on his... Oh, cool! And you know that may have just been good acting on his part, but you know I'd like to think that there weren't a ton of like twenty-year-old hipster actors who were coming (laughs) in, having studied a lot of this material the way that I had. And and anyway, that gave us an immediate shorthand that all of a sudden there were all these other things that we both loved you know photography and and old movies and philosophy and the new beverly movie theater that he at the time got an apartment close to specifically because it was close to the new beverly (laughs) like he could walk to this favorite movie theater so we shared a lot in common and there was a long period of time months and months between us meeting and making the movie and so during that period of time we got what a luxury that that you very rarely get which is just time to rehearse and talk and be friends and get to know one another and you know get to meet someone else who's come on and a new actor who's been hired and be friends with them and to sort of have a very organic almost like a semester to get to know one another
6: as far as a horror goes are you a horror fan do you like that genre of film or wouldn't it be horrible if i was like no
5: uh, yes. I, mean, <laughs> I was like yeah, not... that would be horrific wouldn't that be like such a shitty thing <laughs> right I was like, "Thanks, all you nerds, for hiring me." Uh, No, I like real art.
6: (laughs) Keep giving me jobs. I know there are actors that do roles that they don't particularly, you know, like the genre, or they're not super duper into it. Right,
1: it's like a gig, you know.
6: Yeah, Yeah, people see it that way. So I just wanted to get your honest take on the horror genre, and I mean, I'm assuming you like it. I love it.
5: I do. I do like it. I do love it. I. Very, very earliest memories of actively wat- like choosing to watch things were horror movies. What movies were they? They were serialized, mainstream, 1980s horror movies, because that's what you could get at the video store, whatever year it was, 1989 or 1990. And my folks were pretty loose. They had already had two kids who ended up OK. And I think they just figured they're much older than me. And so they were, I think they were just tired of like having to watch a kid.
6: Yeah. Oh, I get that. <laughs> yeah. Our fourth, man, he gets away with anything. I'm exactly. like, I would have never done that with my first. And I'm like, oh, I just I'm too tired to care. So
5: at some point they were like totally cool with me watching movies all the time. Time and i think had convinced themselves that as long as it wasn't like just watching like tv shows like going and renting a movie which at that time was still sort of like a thing you oh yeah. Go, you yeah. Could, yeah it's like a big Huge deal thing. to go and pick a movie and rent it okay and it costs like real money that if noah is going to use his allowance or whatever little bit of money we're going to give if he's going to use that to rent it well we're going to let him have that time and respect it and we had a little room that was sort of like where the kids could watch tv and the parents almost never went in there and there was like a little vcr i think it was like a combo vcr tv type situation and anyway i realized very quickly that if i watched Nightmare on Elm Street, Mm. there was going to be a Nightmare on Elm Street 2,
2: a Nightmare on Elm Street 3, and a
5: 4. And, you know, and so this idea of sort of like serializing these stories and being able to continue the journey. Right. I found very comforting.
2: <laughs>
5: <laughs> I think it was it was Nightmare on Elm Street. It was also, I mean, on on a, on a much more subconscious level, a lot of it was Lon Chaney. Like I yeah. oh, vividly okay. remember watching Hunchback. I vividly remember Phantom of the Opera, and those films probably affected me more so in terms of sort of like taste and sort of like respect for cinema yeah. than uh than than the stuff that i watched later on when i was maybe a little bit more aware of of being entertained if yeah. that makes any sense no you know? that
6: makes perfect sense but
5: like yeah as a little little kid
6: those the, are such great song- movies because you can watch those with kids. Like, I can watch those movies with my kids, or Creature from the Black Lagoon, and all those old movies. I mean, at the time, they were probably really scary when they came out, but my kids eat it up and they love it.
1: All those Universal Monster movies are all well,
5: And the, the Chaney thing that always blew my mind was that there was something about Chaney that was so specifically grotesque. You know, this idea that, like, that real like definition of the word, where it's scary, and it's shocking, and maybe it's gr- Gross, but also you can't look away. That stayed with me. That concept stayed with me also. And sort of, I, I would like to think in its own weird little way, it does sort of influence the idea of something being scary, but you can
6: also laugh at it. Have you seen anything recently, horror-wise, that you've really loved? Get Out.
1: Get Out was awesome. You go to tons of film festivals and you're part of a lot of these mm-hmm. different conventions and things like that. Is there anything on the more independent level that you've seen that you think should be introduced into the conversation and be discovered by people that haven't been discovered yet
5: well i I had a baby this last year and so i I missed this round of film festivals this year so there's like not a ton that has probably not already come out i remember there's a movie that i think just started streaming called the lore that's a polish mermaid movie oh yeah i heard about that and it is it's like a Polish mermaid musical. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> and also definitely I mean, it's definitely a genre movie. I don't know if you would call it straight up horror, if you'd call it sort of like a thriller or, there, it's, it, or just eight different kinds of movies all put together, but it's incredible and it's beautiful and, uh, and I love that movie.
1: At this stage in your career, what is it like for a working actor? Because, I mean, I don't know. I can equate it to I do voiceovers and, and things like that. So, yeah, I could literally do 250, 200 auditions maybe land two things maybe one pays a couple hundred bucks maybe one keeps me going for a year you never know what is it like for you at this stage in your career? Are you still doing auditions? Is it still a hustle or do scripts fall in your lap because people have seen you in things like Dead Girl and, you know, Cabin Fever and Star Wars and Looper and things like that? What is what situation are you in right now?
5: I think that the spectrum is constantly shifting for me, at least. And and, and that also has to do with the fact that I have never pursued work in an orthodox way and, it, and it's probably to my detriment i'm sure that there are, are many opportunities that i did not get or do not get because like i don't have an agent now i don't want to leave town you know that's a big one is you know for 10 years plus i spent months Of the year out of town i don't want to do that anymore i've got a kid you know and um and i enjoy spending time with my family and luckily because of of both of our jobs we are able to be a little bit pickier and and stuff like that but that's very specifically and not have to take a job that makes me leave town and you know i've never had opportunities to do like mainstream stuff you know the fact that looper was a very successful film is in spite of it being very much ryan's vision and i think the same could be said for star wars too i mean star wars obviously has a lot going for it in terms of name recognition but it's also very much a movie that ryan wanted to make and a story he wanted to tell i don't know what it's like to work on silly to say or like you know big budget studio productions <laughs> like i've never done that and i've never really known how to like pursue that stuff right now my concern is making my own movies and writing simply because it'll keep me close to home. It, will help me tell the stories that I've been looking to tell. Being like a cool indie actor guy is really fun when you're 25. (laughs) And like, you don't give a shit who's paying you what or where they're sending you or they're asking you to do... God knows what. Right. And then, you know, you're like a guy in his 30s who like has a kid and has an idea of exactly what he likes or is getting a closer idea of exactly what he likes and maybe has a little bit of confidence and goes, "Well, you know what? You know, maybe I've done the like Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hour thing and it's time for me to challenge myself a little yeah. bit." That's what I can do for myself is sort of try to tell my own stories and then hope that what has happened continues to happen, which is that really cool, smart, talented, nice filmmakers
0: Show up and go, hey man, I like your work Do you want to work together? Going forward Do you still see yourself wanting to do movies in the Horror genre? And if so, what subgenre Would you pick?
5: Absolutely. I think that there Probably comes a point, I don't know if you guys Agree, but there comes a point where Your knowledge of the Thing that you love hopefully becomes So encyclopedic that you Are sort of forced to dig Really deep. Right. Right? So you go, oh man, I really love mummy Movies, but specifically this Handful of very, very very, very <laughs> unique mummy movies. Right. In my case, I've uh, been working on a movie that I feel really good about that I I want to try to make myself. That among other subgenres is a siege film, which I think is uh, is a great subgenre. I love vampires. I, I would love to do a vampire movie. I think that's a really special. Do you ever see a
0: uh, let the right one in? Of course, yeah. yeah I love the original. The, yeah, the actual. It's my favorites, man. So such a unique take on vampires. Yes. I mean, you don't have that typical van hell scene or you know crucifixes and you, they exist if you look deeper into the movie those characters are there well and i think but, you know the,
5: the idea of like the thing that i've always loved about vampires right is that so much of vampirism is metaphor for interpersonal relationships yep. and like codependence yeah That's become more and more apropos lately than ever before. And then, of course, you know, the sort of the sexual kind of overtones, I think, are like really important, you know, like I think sex in movies and actually like talking about what that is, is something that is very important and and also scary sex is scary right. so right. <laughs> so like that like that's like an interesting sub-genre that i'm
4: uh, that i'm fascinated
0: what was that movie uh pass along the sexual the std uh it oh it, it follows. It follows. Yeah. Yeah. or another yeah. great one I mean. teeth
5: you know, oh, yeah. Oh. Teeth oh. is a great, you know, great, great. uh it a
0: vagina dentata. Vangina, mm. Vagina, dentata. Yeah, yeah you know. <laughs> so I. Uh, this is our movie, man. <laughs> I never want to date after that one.
3: <laughs> so Noah, is there a film or a character that you've played throughout your whole filmography that has left a mark, or somehow has stayed with you after going through that whole experience, or that you? like that it stayed with you? <laughs> I mean, there's there's skills that you get. You know, there's like very,
5: like, there's like tangible, mm-hmm. you know, like on, on on Looper, I learned how to like talk in this sort of specific drawl that was supposed to be the guy, this guy who I played, you know, thought he was a cowboy. And so he had this Western accent, Southern accent and learned to do all these tricks with the gun. Like, you know, you, you get to learn really cool tricks um, and, and you amass knowledge. Right. But I don't know that I want to take... I'm sure I do. I'm sure that there are, like, really profound emotional experiences that I have while working that are, like, sort of necessary in order to make what I'm doing seem believable, but it might be really nice one day to, like, do a role where everything is is really fun and sweet and lovely. And like, then maybe I'll want to take that with me. <laughs> but like that one where, that one where the woman who I raped all day decides to bite my face off. It's not exactly like a warm memory that I want to return to.
4: However, award winning.
5: <laughs>
2: I gore at that. <laughs> well, but
4: speaking of playing villains, there's a, a movie you did called the frozen, Not Mm -hmm. the musical... Frozen.
5: <laughs> <laughs> Although that's also a dream. I, tot- I, have a, I totally have a dream of doing Rocky Horror on stage. Oh yeah? Of wow. doing Frank and Fr- Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Go on.
4: <laughs> but in terms of that villain, you play villains so well and I can see why you wouldn't want to take these people home with you once you move in. But in that particular film, uh, at some point you had told me the story of how you had taken the very simple two-dimensional character or simple character, I'll say, and brought something very special to it. And you had told me that before I'd seen the film and then I saw the film and I think you did something really great with the character, and I was wondering if you could tell us what that journey was. To
5: oh, should I should I spo- should I spoil it? I mean, I can I can I mean I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> I think we should put it, okay. It's already spoiled for me. Yeah, I, think I, mean, <laughs> I think that's officially a spoiler alert. Oh, okay, it's officially a spoiler. Alert. So so basically, the very short version of it is is that I play an angel of death who is sort of watching over and ushering the hero along her her journey. It's the closest sort of cultural Pop culture media analogy would be like if you ever saw that episode of the Twilight Zone with young Robert Redford, which is Mm -hmm. might be my favorite Twilight Zone episode. That's a good one. And when I read the script, that was immediately what popped into my mind. And I sort of said, hey, I, I would like to do that. I would like to sort of play in that in that that world kind of acknowledging fear and comforting our way ourselves out of fear. That's such a journey of horror movies is like this up and down or cyclical motion of like, I'm safe, I'm not safe, I'm safe, you know, and you're like, and it usually ends with being not safe. It usually goes like, at, at the end of it, you're fucked. Right. But, <laughs> but, you know, that's not that different from, at the end of it, everything's fine, because the lights do come up and everything usually is fine, you've had a good time. So, you know, I don't know, I guess the the sort of long-winded response to that is, is I really wanted to accomplish what that character needed to accomplish in a way that was not scary because the act in and of this goes back to the whole thing about trying to make you laugh by you know, which is something that I I like to do as much as possible. It's like the thing that's happening is fucking scary, man. This guy's attacking you. Or you're dying or everybody that you know just died or whatever, whatever the circumstances are. The thing that's happening is scary. So that's not mutually exclusive from being able to laugh at the guy who's doing it or even sympathize to a degree with the guy who's doing it. Right, right. You know, and I think in in a lot of great horror movies we find ourselves doing that, you know, mm-hmm. in, in Rosemary's Baby we find ourselves doing that and kind of questioning our reality or another another plants, you know, the tenant is a great example of that. And of course, like, you know, then you get into movies like Possession. Possession, you know, there's these 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 movies that I talk about with my friend and we call them psychotronic breakup movies. <laughs> which would be like possession is the ultimate psychotronic breakup movie. That's a subgenre <laughs> I would love to work in <laughs> <laughs> psychotronic breakup movies. Yeah. You know, (laughs) like lost highway or mulholland Mm. drive or the tenant or vampire's kiss like these movies that are very that are horror movies that are very much about trying to reconcile loss or trauma or um a breakup and do so through the lens of absolute terror in order to do that accurately to sort of loop around to your question you can't play it And when I say play it, I don't mean just act it, but I mean like you can't make the story just about scary.
4: Right. Because we we had talked about that before I saw the film. So I don't know if it was originally part of the concept of the film, but it's something after watching it through that lens. I mean, it seems really innovative
5: and I would like to take full credit for it.
4: (laughs) (laughs) I've been giving you credit for that for years. (laughs) I don't know if it was warranted. (laughs) But there you go.
5: Like, what did you guys watch recently? Because I've recently? also been, like, with a kid, you know, not watching a lot of stuff, and I feel like I've
1: missed a lot of movies. <sighs> well, let's see. I mean, in the theaters, we all just saw Insidious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, The that's Last it. Key. I saw something the other day. Laura and I saw it on Netflix. The Babysitter was actually really good. Have you guys seen it? Like Any that, yeah. Mc2, the Mick G one? Yes. Yeah, McG, that's right. Yes. It was It was very insane, super fun, campy, splatter, kind of Evil Dead to buckets of spring blood yeah. everywhere. Ridiculous but it, it was super fun and i thought it was a great time
6: 47 meters yeah. that was really really good oh the shark one that was yeah. really I good that was really good yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Was- we're still trying to like make our
5: way through the good place oh yeah which i That's think is one. is incredible and also yeah. i bring it up because i actually think that it uses a lot of horror movie tools yep. even though it's like a network comedy yeah totally. right. Like, I love it. And I don't just mean like that, like (laughs) that uses like sort of like supernatural stuff, but like a lot of the sort of who's on whose side and right. And And and, what's right, what's wrong. Yes. Yeah. And, and very, and also very much like everything hangs in, like the stakes are super high. Yeah. And so you're watching this kind of like goofy comedy and then you're like, wait, but like if everything goes wrong, you're all as fucked as anyone's ever been.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, it's perfect. I mean, I, I'm interested to know what's going to happen next. Like, what's the next step? Like, how far are they going to take it?
5: I haven't, I haven't caught that's up, so okay. I don't, I don't. I'm like, that's all I'm
3: going to say. Like t- three episodes behind the <laughs> okay. last. Okay. All okay. Right. Well, in regards to like TV, we just watched Black Mirror, all the Black Mirror episodes. Oh, that was so great. Yeah, Mirror. season four. It's horror and so many different levels of technology, <laughs> yep. and just like psychological scarring. Like even from like the first episode of it, it's something where like the image of what happens in that has still. Mm-hmm. Has still haunted me, <laughs> but I recommend it. Okay. It's really good.
5: <laughs> like
3: I think you guys would really like
5: it. Actually, I mean, I, I that was I felt that way watching *Handmaid's Tale*. Oh yeah, yep. Which, like, I think that's sort of like the scariest thing that I have watched this yeah, year. Like I agree. between that and yeah. and *Get Out* as mm-hmm. far as like totally. as far as like actual feeling someone's pain and you can't connect that to your own pain, right? you know what i mean like mm-hmm. so much of like 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 we put so much emphasis on on empathy i'm like oh man like there's that guy and he got his finger caught in the door and then that happened to me like three weeks ago and i really remember but like really really feeling someone else's pain
3: is i feel like that's my 2017 <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> the year of feeling someone else's pain yeah
3: uh, yeah i mean there's so yeah. many moments where sometimes you're like we were so close to the handmaid's tale <laughs>
4: Yeah, you can see, you can see now the bridge yeah.
3: from here to there Yeah, pretty Things, clearly. Yeah, but It's 2018.
2: <laughs> <laughs> tear down that bridge. It's new year, I exactly. Yep, and the government shut down. <laughs>
5: <Exactly>. <laughs> yeah, everything's going great, you guys. Yeah, I think we're really going to turn this, this thing around. I don't want to get sick. I don't want us getting sick. The water coming out of here is bad news.
1: And gentlemen. This was the Boo Crew Podcast episode number six. Six, six. A big thanks to our special guest Noah Segan. You can follow him on Instagram and Twitter at Kid Blue. Our composer of the week was Rocky Gray. Get his latest horror flick at 1031film.com. Follow him on Facebook at Official Rocky Gray and Rocky-Gray.com. Thank you so much for all of your support and to all of our Facebook group members. Shout out to Anna Maria Quintero, Ashley Cox, Dave Paxson, Ben Ataviana, Giovanni Ojeda, Jamie Montgomery and Britt Lore everyone else on the group the discussions have been so fun and if you're not yet a member you are missing out on defending the subtle genius of It Follows and letting people in on your fave genre films if you have time please stop by iTunes and write us a quick review it helps us get found by listeners and helps us bring you even more cool guests and keep this thing going that's it for this time around on behalf of the Boo Crew see you on the other side thanks for listening to another episode of the Boo Crew
0: podcast on the Boo Crew at TalesFromTheBooCrew.com Tales from the Boo Crew on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us on Twitter at Tales from the Boo. The Boo Crew is Leone D'Antonio, Lauren and Trevor Shand, Austin Wilkin, and Rachel Tahada. The Boo Crew is produced by Lauren Shand, chopped and sliced by Trevor Shand. The Boo Crew is a TSP
2: creation. Stephanie.